so food photography is your is your bread and butter. Very good. Yeah, very good. Can you tell we're related? <laughs> it's about people like you who do what you do, and you've proven that you've been very adaptable over the years, and you, you've had to keep changing with the times. You have to have an interest. You, you, it's got to be genuine interest in the subject. You can't just want to be a photographer for the sake of saying I'm a photographer. You have to really care about the images you're taking. You're listening to. Mr. Winter. Hello, I'm Mr. Winter and welcome to my podcast, People Do Fun Jobs. It's all about finding inspiring people, doing fun things and hearing how they do what they do. So you can watch People Do Fun Jobs on YouTube and you can listen and download it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. My guest is a photographer. He specialises in food and interiors photography. His work has been published in numerous books. He's worked with endless high-end clients, including the Aqua Restaurant Group, whose flagship restaurant is based in the Shard, and a long list of notable personalities, including Nigella Lawson. And when he was a young assistant, he even asked Princess Diana if she could wash some salad leaves for him. Let's welcome to the People Do Fun Jobs podcast, Tim Winter. Hello, Mr. Winter. Uh, yeah, just to clarify, just to clear up any confusion, I'm Mr. Winter, you are also Mr. Winter. Indeed. I, yeah, I, I've been Mr. Winter for longer than you have. <laughs> yes, this is true. Yeah. Tim here is my uncle, and since I can remember, you've been a photographer. My earliest memories of you, that's, that's always been what you've done. Absolutely, from photographing you in a little Huckleberry Finn check shirt and straw hat number on a vineyard in France, near to where you lived and where you grew up. <laughs> <laughs> um, when we're visiting, but yes, I uh, well, we have that somewhere yeah. on the mantelpiece. I think. I think you do. I, mean, yeah. so. yeah, I destroy the negative, but um, <laughs> but we are. Yes, I've been doing it since I was twenty seven, twenty eight. I was a, a mature student, went to art college, had a brief experience as a an assistant in a back garden studio, working with a, a rural photographer who photographed tractors. Tractors. Great technical grounding. Working on old uh, five by four plate cameras, the sort of thing where you had to put a black cloth over your over your head when you're looking through them. I thought cloth over your head were the the sepia days. Oh uh, well, we could do sepia if you want more. Well, I mean, that's an <laughs> extra fifty percent. But yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I've been doing it since I was twenty seven. So went to arts art college. Did quite well there because I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to pursue this as a career. And was it a very practical thing? Were you were you out there really? practicing using a camera at college it was uh, two days of theory three days of practical a week and you'd have to produce one photograph in that time that you were proud of and would be happy to talk about um social documentary wasn't really my bag uh, as you can probably tell by being a food and drink photographer is that um my, my version of that one one guy went and got beaten up in bradford whilst photographing sort of slum housing i went to oxford to to document the troubles of finding a good parking space. I think that's about as hard-edged as a documentary as I got. So uh, <laughs> it's actually still a nightmare, Oxford. I mean, if you do try and park there, you forget it. Write about what you know. Park and ride. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, <laughs> and uh, yes, so have been doing it a long time. So you studied it, and then fashion photography was kind of your primary uh, area of, yeah. of, of work. That's where the work was at the time and I think that's a theme that's run right the way through the time I've been doing this is you have to follow where the work is if you want to be a working photographer. That might sound really obvious but a lot of people stick by their guns and only want to photograph the thing that they think they should be photographing. I'm much more of a tart than that and <laughs> will follow the, the, the dangly carrot wherever it takes me. And um, So it started out when I, when I left college. I worked for a commercial photographer. It was a great learning experience, fantastic travel 
opportunities to, to go away, you know, working around young groups of models, hair and makeup artists all around the world. Fantastic. Sounds glamorous. It was glamorous um, for them. They used to travel club. I used to be in, in economy, but that's fair enough. You know, I had to look after all the, the kit bags and, you know, be responsible for everything. So someone had to. And I, of course, I had to drive them to and from the restaurants in the evening, so stay <laughs> sober. But it's all a good learning curve, Jess. You know, you, you tend to actually um, find that, you know, you're very much in need as an assistant. Everyone relies on you. Then you're also the first, last and middle line of blame for everything as well. So if anything goes wrong, it is down to... You, you learn very quickly to put your hand up and say, yeah, that was my fault. Even really? If it wasn't, if, even if it wasn't. Yeah. So what, what, what is assisting? What, what does that entail? Good question. It's, it's generally making sure that the brief is followed. So technically getting something in those days on film, which is much more difficult than getting something on a digital chip. So setting the lens to get the right exposure. So light readings, um, putting the lights where they need to be. So having, having a, a, a feel for how the shot needs to be lit and you talk to the photographer about it some of them would know exactly what they want a lot of them would have no idea someone would say can you just give me normal lighting please and you say yeah, which normal would you like you know and, and beyond that assisting is very much about making tea and coffee and um, not talking to clients keeping your nose clean being uh, efficient sweeping up at the end of the day and how do you get noticed then how do you how do you start to become a, not an assistant the good question again, because if you're too good at being an assistant, you stay an assistant forever. Right. And that's happened to quite a lot of people I know who are brilliant. You know, they are, you know, you get assistants in their 50s who, are, who have decided not to become photographers because they're actually really good at what they do. They're in demand. Everyone likes them. Why would you change it? Well, you change it because you want to earn more money normally. But you talk to people. You do talk to them. You have to talk to clients on the side and get noticed. Or you talk to the, the client's assistants. Oh, so there is a bit of under the table, you know, behind the curtain chatting to... The chatting, yes. Nothing more than that. Though. Just, OK. Yeah, yeah. It was very much about who you know and who you get introduced to. The first few job offers I actually got, because a lot of people, again, that I, I knew from college would hold out for that good break and it never came. You're better off just taking the little breaks. Where in my case, it was photographing a jumper, you know, on a model, which is a challenge enough in its own right because you know, you've got to make it right and you've got to make it worth seeing in a, in a magazine. And there was nothing greater than seeing your name by a picture in a magazine, as long as you like the picture. <laughs> there, there were photographers who would insist on not having their names put by their pictures in magazines if the magazine wasn't of a certain echelon. So they would happily take the client's money, but... I didn't do this, okay? This wasn't me. <laughs> wow. And I, I always thought that was wrong. So I've always been happy to have my name by any work I've done. Of course, magazines are becoming very fast a thing of the past. And you don't tend to see your name credited on digital images everywhere. So you're in your industry then from job to job works how, really? If it's not being spotted online with your name? For me, I would say it's 90% word of mouth. You still are as good as your last job. I'm not particularly big on Instagram. I haven't posted for over a year. <laughs> Is that possibly related? I don't know. Well, it's a method that's traditional for a reason and it's worked for you for all these years. So obviously yeah. it's it's tried and tested. And I think because I'm my mid-50s now and coming, coming round to, to, you know, mo most of my clients are half my age and I've had to survive knowing that my clients stay mid-20s, late-20s as I get older. You know, they don't stay in their jobs for more than two or three years. And then you've got to survive the changeover. And I think I've now reached that, that bracket of being um, older experienced and therefore can bring something safe to a shoot. Not necessarily the most creative, you know, breaking down the fourth wall, but, but as much as anything, you're handling a budget. 
they've only got a certain budget. Budgets are incredibly tight nowadays. We have to produce in a regular food and drink shoot anything between 20 and 80 pictures a day. And if we go back to my college days... We 20 to 80 individual for, of different... Different things. Different per things. Per day, yeah. Oh and God. and then you get the client saying, oh, can we have that in landscape and portrait? And to which you obviously say no. But, you know, you have to try and negotiate around that. But you're also working by team decision. You know, it's a group, it's a group activity. It's no longer the sole reserve of the photographer with the camera doing it his or her way. It's very much a, a group dynamic and you have to like that. So you're having a live replay with the team on set as it happens. You're so composing things. Yeah, you're composing things through live capture. So the lens is open. You're actually moving things, arranging them within the frame of your, your laptop. And bearing in mind, that's pretty much where the image is going to get viewed. It's not a massive leap of imagination from how you, you know, what you see in front of you and, and what ends up on the screen. I'm going to quote you to you now, Tim. Oh, gold. So uh, this is going off your bio, which entertain me. It reads, I have 27 years experience shooting for clients in London and the UK. In that time, I've seen three recessions, a digital revolution, countless upgrades and even more software updates. So that leads on quite nicely from what you were saying. Hmm. You started your career using print, strictly print uh, film. How have you found that transition over the years? It's ruined everything. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, absolute toys out of the pram I refused to make the transition I was one of the late, later ones to go to it because I didn't have any confidence in, in A, what I was meant to do with it when I took that equipment and B, whether the equipment was any good I mean I had fantastic cameras and knew exactly what film what lighting condition to use in any geographic, physical you know, temperature scenario you might find yourself in and get the results I wanted to suddenly then have well for me I actually had my first digital equipment delivered to a shoot for a hotel called the Mayfair Hotel in Mayfair we were shooting the penthouse suite now you've heard of metadata for the next six months the metadata because I did hire a digital digital operative to help me on that shoot because I knew nothing we got the cameras out of the box put them together when we did the shoot he put the metadata in and it said Mayfair Penthouse. For the next six months, every shoot I did had the metadata Mayfair Penthouse put on it because I didn't know how to change that, <laughs> which sounded like I was working for a totally different bracket of, of porn magazines. Um, <laughs> so I also managed to delete that job before the clients even saw it because some clever designer put the, I don't know if you noticed, but the delete button's right next to the return button on a laptop. That's right. And I was just tapping, so I'm going to tap the table. I don't know if this will come out, but I was tapping away... To, to, to get the you thing to hurry up, to, to actually, yeah, come on, to, to, to return, to, to do something. And it turned out I'd hit delete, and then it said, you sure you want to delete? Yeah, hit return, and I lost the whole job. So I then had to pay to come back the next week, to pay the models and the hair and makeup to come back the next week, which cost me a fortune. Equipment-wise, do you have to change your the stuff you've got regularly? Because I imagine with film, you if you get a good camera you, you can probably stick with that for quite a long time no i'd say it's on a conveyor belt so if you imagine a conveyor belt moving from left to right very slowly and you've got your equipment on it at some point it's all going to fall off the other end and <laughs> um so most of the time most of it's in the middle but there'll be one or two bits that are getting towards that extreme edge i'm probably not the most immediate with digital technology i've learned 
on the job. I've learned as we go along. But you have been using it for years now, and it's and you're very used uh, to it. Ten years, twelve years, and you know I think the camera, the standard of the cameras is now back where film was, and there's obviously a lot more you can now do with the image in post production, which then means that you shoot in a different way because you know you can make all those changes afterwards, so you don't have to get it all right. So at the you time. can cut corners. You can yeah, uh, yes, you can cut corners, but you also. So if you're if you're photographing a, a cocktail next to a window with a view of say Tower Bridge, that's a classic that we do every week that we shoot at Aquashard, say, or any other restaurant with a view. They want the view, they want the exposure of the bridge to be perfect, they want the cocktail to look perfect. Well, you can't do that easily in one image. So you just end up shooting the background and you shoot the foreground, and then you put them together afterwards. So for every day that I photograph, every shoot day, there's at least a day to you, a day to two days in in post production, turning it around, making it look right. Is that right? Is that photographing the real thing that's out there? Of course it's not. There's a whole, you know, debate about, well, is this photography writing with light or is this actually digital capture and post-production? It's still interesting. It's still a really nice challenge because you know that you've got to give that image that they want, but you can't make it look too false. It has to look believable. You know, I've, I've taken someone's head off one picture and put it on the body of another one just to, <laughs> to make it look right. And, not you know, for fun. No, sorry, no, this is no, no, no. This is this is purely in two dimensions. So, yeah. And with food, so food photography is your is your bread, bread and, and butter. butter. Very good. Very yeah, good. Very good. <laughs> yeah, can you tell we're related? <laughs> uh, so yes, food photography. You you work with supermarkets, famous chefs. How does actually photographing food work? You've got a chef live in the kitchen cooking food. Talk us through that process of him or or her cooking that food and it and you snapping that in the in a perfect frame someone cooks the food ideally you have a, a food stylist there to make it look brilliant on the plate to work with the chef chefs are brilliant at cooking but they tend to cook for people to eat yeah so with food photography you tend to slightly undercook if it's a, a meat you don't want things to collapse so you want them to hold their shape this all sounds quite grim if you're vegan <laughs> you work quickly so as long as you've got, A, a clean plate, no massive great thumbprints all over it because they have to be retouched later, you have your camera and your lighting all set up, you have a dummy plate to work with of the same size, you frame up on that, someone brings in the food, puts it down, you make sure the table's level, particularly with soups. Obviously, you think about it, you don't want soups going all over the place. So a, a level table, put the food down, and you shoot it, and it's all over in a minute. You don't, you don't spend long on it at all. Do, are there any tricks that people use I, I heard i heard some people using glue for ice cream or, or no something like that. not that i've used i mean we've so if you're photographing ice cream you might scoop lots of scoops of ice cream out onto a bit of baking paper and then put it on a sheet in the freezer and then you can bring them out one by one thereby giving yourself several goes at photographing it before they melt but but generally what we're seeing is, is what you get is yeah. food yeah. and you maybe a, a brush of oil it might be a brush of, it's usually a brush of water or oil there's yeah. nothing more sinister if you're doing a turkey or a chicken to be perfectly basted and that have lovely olive skin or you know roasted skin texture color then you might paint a bit of marmite on it you know, but beyond that nothing I know I did once photograph a turkey for Asda for Christmas. You shouldn't call her that, Tim. No. And um, they, this thing had been flown from South America. I mean, talk about carbon footprint. It had been flown over and it was got out of the bag and it was rotten. 
but they still needed the picture so we had to paint a raw turkey to make it look like a cook it was <laughs> oh disgusting God. absolutely disgusting that sounds revolting but on the whole hmm. it's authentic and yes. what we're seeing is what, 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 what it is yeah You're listening to Mr. Winter. In terms of your published work, you've done loads of stuff that has made it into books. Yes. What kind of books are we talking about? Cookbooks. Can I just say it's the absolute pinnacle of, of, of seeing your, your, your pictures in print. It's just lovely. Cookbooks are a great thing to have to say and to think, I did that. And it's, they're a great experience to work on. It's a team effort. Cookbooks like Antonio Carluccio, the, the the grandfather of Italian cookery over here. He, uh, I did I did two books with him, and that was just a, a voyage of, of discovery for me because I knew nothing about food when I started doing those. I just moved over from fashion. I had a very lucky break, and had an overnight change of, of direction for career. I'd been asked to photograph Nigella Lawson for a magazine feature, which was a one-off shoot, as far as I knew. They wanted someone who did fashion to photograph her because her first cookbook had no pictures in it because she didn't want people to aspire to their food looking beautiful. She just wanted them to cook nice tasting food. And the client I was working for was a colour supplement and they said, this is great, but it's a cookbook. We need pictures for a colour supplement. So I photographed her and I photographed her food and then they decided they were going to do a part work. So it became a 12-week project. So a feature every every week for 12 weeks. And because of who she was, because of the timing, I got introduced to her people and then her wider community. And I, I never looked back. I never really went after another fashion shoot after that. So, But coming back to your question, cookbooks. So I've done cookbooks. I've done books on interior design, garden design, floristry. One of my favorite books was, was a book on perfect wedding flowers, which sounds really niche and, and not that great. But it's a fantastic project to, to be on. Huge flower budgets, great to work with. What's it like seeing your photos in books along with a narrative? Because they, they, there's always a story being told with it. It's not just an advert of a burger or something. No. We're talking about, you know, like wedding flowers. You're talking about really, really on showing that, your beauty. On that, the book was written after the pictures, so that that was easier for them from the, for the pictures to make sense. With cookbooks, it's usually the other way around. They've had to devise the recipes, had the recipes tested two or three times to make sure they work because recipes have to be foolproof. You don't want people writing back in saying, doesn't work, especially with social media. Yeah. With food photography, you're working much more to a formula and they know exactly what they want. It's nice to have a freestyle thing. I don't think I've ever worked on something where I've had a totally free hand to go off and shoot what I want and then we'll make a book around it, but that would be lovely. So you have worked with some rather big names over the years. Yes. Nigella Lawson, you just mentioned. Yeah. What's she like? She's lovely. She's very um, keen to promote people that she gets on with. So, as I said, once once I'd met and worked with her, she just seemed to introduce me to people after people after people. And good parties as well. You know, you get to meet some fantastic friends of friends. I'm a massive fan of this guy, Gordon Ramsay. Yes. Tell, I, re- I remember the brief, but tell, tell me what... what the- I've only met him once, and it was a early morning PR shoot for a new restaurant he'd um, set up in Mayfair, Belgrave or something like that and one of the most stupid decisions I made in my life I decided to go by tube uh, to get there because I thought if I no I won't be able to get there, park and get there on time I'm just, anyway, got the tube and um, it broke down so I sat for 40 minutes in a tunnel with no signal no way of letting him know where I am 
And I was the only person covering it, and the whole point of the whole exercise was for photographs. So you had to be there. So I then had to run from Bond Street, I think it was, station for about five minutes, carrying more, more equipment than I felt comfortable carrying anyway. Got there absolutely dripping in perspiration. <laughs> and um, You're painting ap- quite, the, quite the picture. Yeah, apologised to the intermediary, uh, the person who booked me profusely, and they said, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then this, this voice said, Tim, hi, Gordon, pleased to meet you. Have you had a bad show? And just... just just made you just feel made good. Relaxed. Just great and and so professional, so used oh, to what he was doing. I love that man. Yeah, I never worked with him again though. So whether that was down Didn't to my have, tardiness, wasn't your wasn't your brief to take as many different facial expressions of him as it possible? was? Yes, and he only gave two really. I think the frown up and the frown down. <laughs> so, yeah. He didn't swear. And he he didn't. Uh, yeah, he didn't do any of the TV stuff. Princess Diana, let's take it back to your assisting days. This is something that you've only just told us recently. I, I had I had known this over over the years. Tell tell the story of of what happened with Princess Diana. So, having worked in fashion full time for a bit, I was running a studio uh, that belonged to a ballet photographer who I'd assisted. He hired out to Mario Testino, obviously a, a fashion photographer of huge renown. And at the time, he was photographing Princess Diana for. As t- one of two sets of pictures which were there to emphasise her independence having had the breakup from Prince Charles. They're very famous pictures. He did some, Patrick de Marchelli did some others, some with Harry and, and, and uh, who's the other chap? William. But these were just her on her own and she came into the studio. I was there as studio manager to, A, to set up some lighting, B, make sure that everything was working, that the electricity bill was paid. That would have been awful. Get the tea and coffee on and prepare lunch. And lunch was a nice cold buffet, cold cuts of meat, chicken, smoked salmon, all, all your favourites. Lovely spread. Yeah, and kettle chips. Can't go wrong with a kettle chip. And so then this vision came out of the makeup room way before anyone was expecting her to, because, you know, usually makeup's an hour or two hours work. She took 20 minutes because she was a natural beauty. She was just stunning. And she was wearing a white fluffy dressing gown, came out and said, Hi, Tim, can I do anything to help? And I thought, you know my name. <laughs> How did she know your name? Because she has people there who brief her. Whispering in her ear. Yeah. Well, just before you meet them, this is Tim. I'm probably the same with Gordon Ramsay. I don't expect he'd gone to bed thinking, oh, I'm meeting Tim I'm tomorrow. Meeting, I'm no. meeting Tim today. Where so, is he? Yeah. <laughs> so I said, oh, yes, you, that, that salad could do with a rinse, please. If you could, if you, that'd be lovely. It was pre-bagged salad. For the record, it says washed, but always do give it an extra rinse when you get always it. Always give it another wash. Yep. But no, lovely. And she then helped you know, do the rest of the thing. She made small talk. I can't remember what we talked about, but she'd never replied to my letters after that. But amazing story. And I yeah. love that you got to meet her because she obviously sounds as wonderful as she was. She certainly out to won me over. I, hadn't, I didn't have any opinion of her before it. By contrast, we did photograph another red-haired member of the, the same generation of royal. I say we photographed, another photographer came to the studio and photographed her. She was six hours in hair and makeup, having sacked the first hair and makeup people that they'd lined up for her. The client got so fed up with her and her attitude, they actually said, do you know what, you can pay for this shoot yourself, we're not going to run it. But they did run it, and they ran a front cover of a picture of the back of her head. Did they really? Yep. Oh my God. Which was... Can we, ha- can we have her name? Sarah Ferguson? No, you can't. But she, um, <laughs> Fergie, she, she had very recognisable red hair, yeah, very beautiful red hair, and so it was as recognisable from the back pretty much anyway. So Tim, I asked my podcast guests the same two questions at the end of every episode. 
Where do you want to be in 10 years' time, Tim? It's a, it's a, a big question, I realise this. Well, luckily, I'm not a big one for retirement, which is just as well, because I think being a, a jobbing photographer um, as you age, the, the gaps between the jobs can get longer and longer. I am experiencing a very enjoyable renaissance. Um, I'm in favour at the moment, but as anyone who has been active as a photographer and probably in any creative industry will tell you, it's not given that you'll always work. So in 10 years, to answer your question, I would love to still be doing what I'm doing. And I'd feel very grateful of it if I were, because I love it. I do adore my job when I'm working. The other benefit of being freelance is you also do have time for a, another life at the same time. You're not always working. Well, you have two children, have two a wife and a lovely dog. Yeah, they're all lovely. And about 16 cats. Two cats. Two cats yeah. now. And okay. a neighbour's cat comes in. But um, yeah, I... I love where we are. I I would like to think I was still healthy, happy, and able to dupe clients who are a further 10 years younger than I will be then, away from my age. So they will remain 28, 29 years old. <laughs> I will be 65. Now, the, the ballet photographer, the great Anthony Crickmay, who passed away within the last month, and I haven't been in touch with him for 10, 15 years. Um, so someone rang me up and let me know. And I, I have to say, I was surprised to know that he had actually been still going on. He was still working at the age of 87, shooting for the Royal Ballet. Oh, my goodness. And his work, I mean, he is, he is on a, a totally separate level of photographer. His, his memorial service is going to be hosted by the VNA. That's how well thought of he is within wow. his Wow. Yeah. Great person to learn from. Fantastic. And taught me the most useful things and also gave me the most useful information I never applied so he said, Tim, when, Timothy, call me Timothy, or darling, um, <laughs> when, when you get your first two paychecks, put them away in the bank and don't touch them, and then you'll always be in credit. Did you do that? Bullshit. <laughs> uh, no, I needed the money for cameras. Of course. Yeah, and rent and food, and, you know, so it goes on. I'd like to still be working. I'd like to think that I'd re-engaged more with photography as a passion because work has become work of course They're very different things how do you avoid that though you pick up a camera and take it with you and you take snaps wherever you go but i have got out of the habit of that and i'm very aware of it and the other thing i used to do was a lot of travel photography putting that in, in photo libraries um, and again the royalties on that are so tiny now it's actually not worth pursuing in any financial way it's a great is that is great that because every, everyone fancies themselves as a as a so travel photographer when I started doing it I would tell the agency I worked for that I was going to Canada for a month and they'd say right here's a list of what we need now you've got a whole load of people in Canada called Canadians who have cameras and they can just upload them to any website wherever you are we don't need to travel to do it which is great from the carbon footprint side of things of course uh, not so great from the pension side of things. So, you know, the, 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 what, what used to look like being a really good royalty is no longer. However, the interest that gave me, that used to free me up to think it was okay to travel anywhere and take pictures of anything I wanted and feel like I had a reason. And my wife, bless her for standing by me, the number of times she had to say, oh, come on, really? While I photographed yet another bridge or <laughs> view, um, you know, I used to be able to wave one a more check bridge, in front darling. Of, yeah, I used to just be able to wave a check in front and say, "Sorry, do you remember moaning about that one?" <laughs> now I, it's sort of twelve pence for the usage. So, so what advice would you give to someone who is wanting to do what you do? I thought about this one quite a lot because you did give me the heads up. I gave you the heads up on this one because it's a, mm. it, it's one, it's an important one, and it's a good concluding so, yeah. thing to think about. I would suggest that anyone who thinks of becoming a professional 
photographer has a second career. I think everyone has to have a portfolio mentality to their employment now, unless you're going into one of the classic jobs like doctor or lawyer or, you know. Which is not what this podcast is about. It's not it's really about, aimed at those people, is it's it? It's not. No. It's, no. <laughs> it's about people like you who do yeah. what you do, and you've proven that you've been very adaptable over the years, and you, you've had to keep changing with the times. You have to have an interest. You, you, it's got to be genuine interest in the subject. You can't just want to be a photographer for the sake of saying, I'm a photographer. You have to really care about the images you're taking and you have to work in the right arena the right area there's no point being a fashion photographer if actually what you're interested is in food and drink mm -hmm. you know and i found that out latterly because i got away with fashion photography for 10 years without having a remotest interest in it and you know i'm not a fashionista i i i, 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 I my fashion history is awful although you're wearing a lovely lovely cord jacket today tim well, yeah you have to make an exception don't you but um no i i, I think you have to be aware that it's self-employment and don't for any reason take one of the uh, the job offers that I see out there for people to be uh, an in-house photographer for a fashion house or anything like that because they are being absolutely exploited predicting where trends are going to go in fashion prop styling clothes styling studio managing everything all for you know a starter salary and it's you know that's 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 about six jobs rolled into one so so actually need to realize your own worth yeah completely very good advice stick to your guns everyone is a photographer now in one way or other everyone does have a phone everyone uses their camera i would i would probably suggest it's better to look through your camera at other people than just put yourself between the camera and something else you know i'm, I'm a big hater of social media and putting the person in the picture as in it's all about me I was on a shoot recently at the Shard, um, an afternoon tea shoot where we had dry ice um, floating across the tabletop. Oh, darling. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful. And I was looking through the camera and actually photographing at the time, and my client was, was fanning the dry ice in the right direction. A hand appeared from out of shot and started moving stuff around the table, which I immediately assumed was my client, suddenly changing things. I moved away from the camera, looked around, and it was someone we didn't know moving the props on our table while we're shooting she then moved the chair that was in the background sat down on it handed me her phone and said could you take a picture of me please and i said what the fuck are you doing <laughs> unbelievable and she was a blogger and she had been sat next to us watching us doing this had no interest in what we were doing it for why we were there no no comprehension that this was a you know we had lights up we had everything going on and so we had a very awkward next hour and a half because it turned out she was actually having lunch next to us. So. <laughs> oh dear God. So I had to go at her, the client had to go at her, and she, she went off with a tail between the legs. But that idea that, that, you know, there is something more to photography than putting a collagen-lipped face, um, you know, pose. Yeah. Uh, I'm really not big on all that. Yeah. Sorry to everyone out there who's big on their own uh, <coughs> Insta feed. Yep. Oh, yes. <laughs> Tim, thank you very much. It's all right. I would love that. If people want to find mm. your work or get in touch with you somehow, what's the best way to do that? Well, blow the dust off your laptop and uh, go to www.timwinter.co.uk. Tim, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Mr. Winter. Let's go. Is that the theme tune? To uh, uh, Desert Island Discs, yes. Oh, lovely, so yes. Wrap it on about themselves like I just have. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Cheers, Tim. Mr. Winter. Winter.